0: chapter eight of cradock nowell a tale of the new forest volume two by richard doddridge blackmore this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter eight little lou's fever took the turn that night cradock went away of course now her own father was come and the savage bargee would have gone on his knees and crawled in that fashion wherein all fashion crawls down the rough stairs every one of them if the young man would only have let him We are just beginning to scorn the serfdom of one mind to another We begin to desire that no man should without fair argument Accept our dicta as equal to his own in wisdom And I fully believe that if fate had thrown us across Shakespeare Bacon or Newton We should now refer to our own reason what they said before admiring it for after all what are we what are our most glorious minds only one spark more of god and yet the servience not of the mind but of the heart to a larger one is a fealty most honourable to the giver and the receiver in a bold independent man such as issachar jap was this fealty was not to be won by any of that paltry sentiment about birth clanship precedency position appearance etc which is our national method of circumcising the new testament it was only to be won by proof that the other heart was bigger than his prove that once until death it was granted now the small luge up being out of danger and her father grinning like a gridiron with the firelight behind it every day at her bedside the force of circumstances which in good english means the want of money sent cradock Nowell once more cats cradling throughout london to answer advertisements his heart rose within him every day as he set out in the morning and in the same relative position fell as he came home every evening do sir do cried issachar jupp who never swore now before cradock except under strongest pressure do come aboard our barge i've almost got the appointment of skipper to the industrious maiden home side of nine elms as tight a barge as ever was built and the name done in gold letters fact i might say and not tell no secrets i'd be safe to be aboard of her if my loo allow me to go and i don't swear hard at the check-house and perhaps i shall be able to help it after loo so ill and you such a angel. well i don't know replied cradock who could not bear to simulate intense determination i should like a trip into the country if i could earn my wages as agent or whatever it is but suppose the canal is frozen up before our voyage begins jup oh de that cried issachar for the idea was too much for him even in craddock's presence i never yet knew a long winter sir after a wonderful stormy autumn and in that conclusion he was right to the best of my experience Perhaps because the stormy autumn shows the set of the Gulf Stream By this time more than a month had passed since Craddock and Weiner arrived in London Half his money was spent and he had found no employment. He had advertised and answered advertisements till he was tired He had worn out his one pair of boots with walking for he had thought it better to walk as it might be of service to him to know London thoroughly and that knowledge can only be acquired by perpetual walking No, man can be said to know london thoroughly who does not know the suburbs also Who if suddenly put down at the elephant and castle or at shoreditch church cannot tell exactly whither each of the six fingers points? Such knowledge very few men possess it requires a genius loci to apply the expression barbarously as well as peculiar calls upon it cradock of course could not attain such knowledge in a month indeed he was obliged to ask his way to so well known a part as hammersmith when he had seen an advertisement for a clerk to help in some coal office there with the water quelching in his boots which were worn away to the welting for the sky was like the pulp of an orange and the pavement wanted draining he turned in at a little gate near the temporary terminus of the west london line in a wooden box with a kitchen behind it he found mr clinkers who thought when he saw crad's face that he was come to give a large order and when he saw his boots that he was come to ask to be errand boy clinkers was a familiar jocular red-faced fellow whom his friends were fond of calling not at all a bad sort take a glass mister said he when cradock had stated his purpose won't do you no harm such a day as this and i don't fancy twould me either jenny jenny why bless that girl ever since my poor wife died she's along o' them small coals fellows i'll bet a tanner she is what do you say to it sir will you bet well replied cradock smiling it wouldn't be at all a fair bet sir in the first place i know nothing of miss jenny's propensities And in the second I have no idea what the small coals fellows are The small coals men are the truck drivers and the greengrocers in the by-streets Who buy the crushings and riddlings by the sack at the wharf or terminus and sell them by the quarter hundredweight weight at a profit of two hundred percent Craddock might have known this but the Ducksacre firm was reticent upon some little matters Mr.. Clinkers could not stop to explain only he said to himself pretty fellow to apply for a clerkship in the coal line and not know that Jenny appeared at last looking perfectly self-possessed Jenny you baggage two tumblers and silver teaspoons in no time and the little kettle mind now I tell you the little kettle can't you understand girl that I may want to shave with the water, but ain't going to have the foot-tub Jenny's broad face mapped with coal dust grinned from ear to ear as she looked at her master saucily a proof almost infallible of a very genial government she heard that shaving joke every day and the more she heard it the more she enjoyed it so the british public at the theatre or an election appreciates a joke according to the square of the number of the times the joke has been poked at hurrah for the slow perception and the blunt knife that opens the oyster queer gal that said clinkers producing his raw material uncommon queer gal sir as any you may have met with no doubt of it replied cradock and now for the cause of my visit hang me sir you don't understand that girl i say she is the queerest gal that ever lived out of a barge you should see her when she gets along as some of them small coal fellows blow me if she can't twist a dozen of them round her finger sir and her master too thought Cradock, unless i am much mistaken she will be the new mrs clinkers jenny heard most of her master's commentary as she went to and fro and she kept up a constant grin without speech in the manner of an empty coal-scuttle ah sir grief is a dry thing a sad dry thing and clinkers banged down his tumbler till the spoon reeled round the brandy no business if you please now not a word of business till we both be below the fiddle and if it isn't to your liking speak out like a man sir below the fiddle mr clinkers what fiddle i don't at all understand you very few people does young man very few people indeed scarcely any i may say except jenny and the cook-shop woman and the latter have got encumbrances as quite outweighs the business ain't you ever heard of the fiddle of a teaspoon sir oh very well said cradock tossing off his brandy and water to bring things to a point it was a good thing for him that he got it poor fellow for he was sadly wet and weary law now to see that cried clinkers opening his eyes i'm blowed if you mustn't be a hoxford gent to be sure so i am replied cradock laughing but i should not have thought that you would have known i mean I am surprised that you at this distance should know anything of Oxford men Tell you about that presently come over again for the fire sir up with your heel-tap and have another No, thank you mr. Clinkers. You are very kind, but I shall not take one drop more Then you ain't be there very long that's certain Now you've come about this place. I know though. It's a queer one for a Oxford gent gent under a cloud thinks I the moment I claps eyes on you Ah, i know the aristocracy, sir now what might be your qualifications none whatever except such knowledge as springs from a good education whew whistled mr clinkers and that sound was worth fifty sentences then you conclude said cradock not so greatly downcast for he had got his speech by heart by now that i am not fitted for the post offered in your advertisement Knows what they hoxford gents is continued clinkers reflectively come across a lot of them once when I was gay and rattling They ran into my tax cart coming home from Ascot about a mile this side of Brentford Famous good company over a glass when they drops their aristocracy. They runs up a tick all over town and leaves a sky dog to pay for it Comes home about four in the morning and don't know the latch from the scraper always pays in the end though nearly always pays in the end so a hoxford tradesman told me and interest ten per cent differs in that from the medicals the fast medicals never do pay sir most unjust said craddock rising a most unjust thing mr clinkers you not only judge the present by the past but you reason from the particular to the universal the most fruitful and womanlike of the fallacies it ain't anything about fallacy sir that makes me refuse you cried clinkers who liked this outburst I'll tell you just what it is you Hoxford scholars may be very honest, but you ain't got the grease for business Sorely down at heart and heel Craddock plodded away from the yard of the hospitable clinkers who came to the door and looked after him Fearing to indulge his liking for that queer young fellow But he had taken Crad's address for who knew but something might turn up That man said Craddock to himself has a kindly heart and would have helped me if he could. He wanted to pay my fare back to town, but of course I could not let him. It was well worth while to come all this distance and get wet through twice over to come across a kind-hearted man when a fellow is down so. I began with applying for grand places. What a fool I was! Places worth a hundred and fifty pounds or two hundred pounds a year. No wonder I did not get them. And what a lot of boot I have wasted. Now I'm come down to fifty pounds per annum and seventy-five pounds would be a fortune if I had only begun at that mark I might have got something by this time Vaulting ambition doth o'erleap itself, and I might have emigrated good heavens I might have emigrated upon the bounty of uncle John to some land where a man is worth more than the cattle of the field Only Amy stopped me only the thought of my Amy darling love The sweetest angel stop I am so unlucky if I begin to bless her very likely she'll get typhus fever After all what does it matter what sort of life I take to or whether indeed I take the trouble to take to any at all Only for her sake a man who has done what I have lives no more, but drags his life Now I'll go in for common labor work of the hands and muscles Many a better man has done it and it will be far wiser for me while my brain is so loose and wandering I Wonder I never thought of that Isn't it raining though what we used in the happy days to call would fiddly rain? The future chironax trudged more cheerfully after this decision But he was very sorry to get so soaked for he had his only suit of clothes on He had brought but one suit of his own and all he had brought with the rector's money with six shirts at three shillings sixpence and four pairs of cotton hose so he could not afford to get wet there could be no doubt that he was shabbily dressed no rich game to an hotel tout no tempting fare to a cabman but neither could there be any doubt that he was a pure and noble gentleman that was as clear as in the heyday of finest oxford dandyism only he carried his head quite differently and the tint of his cheeks was gone he used to walk with his broad and well-set head thrown back and slightly inclined to one side now he bore it flagging drooping as if the spring of the neck were gone but still the brave clear eyes met frankly all who cared to look at him the face and gait were a man unhappy but not unmanly if at the time sir cradock condemned his only son so cruelly He had looked at him once, and read the sorrow so unmistakable in his face. The old man might have repented, and wept, and saved a world of weeping. A tear in time saves ninety-nine, but who has the sense to yield it? Soaked and tired out at last, he reached his little lodgings, quite large enough for him, though, and found Black Wiener warming the chair, the only chair he had to sit on. Unluckily he did not want to do what a man who cared for himself would have done Having no change of raiment in plain English only one pair of trousers He should have gone to bed at once or at any rate have pulled his wet clothes off Instead of doing so he sat and sat with the wet things clinging closer to him and the shivers crawling deeper until his last inch of candle was gone And the room was cold as an ice-house for the rain had turned to snow at nightfall, and the fire had not been lit Weena sat waiting and nodding upwards on the yard and a half of brown drugget Which now was her chiefest pulvinar and once or twice she nudged her master and whined about supper and bedtime but cradock only patted her and improved the turn of his sentence He was making one last effort to save from waste and ridicule his tastes and his education a Craftsman if he saves self-respect is worthy valuable admirable nearer to the perception of simple truth than some men of high refinement Nevertheless it is too certain as I who know them well and not unkindly can testify That there is scarcely one in a dozen laborers even around the metropolis who respects himself and his calling Whose fault this is I pretend not for pretence it would be to say Probably the guilt is much of a muchness as in all mismanaged matters the material was as good as our own How has it got so vitiated? It is as lowering to us as it is to themselves that the enlightened working men of England cannot go out for their holiday Cannot come home for their work Cannot even speak among their own children And in the good wife's presence without words not of manly strength, but of hoggish coarseness In time this must be otherwise, but the evil is not cured easily The boy believes it manly to talk as he hears his father talk he rejoices in it the more perhaps Because the school forbids it he does not know what the foul words mean and all things strange have the grandest range those words tell powerfully in a story with smaller boys round him upon the green or at the street corner and so he grows up engrimed with them and his own boys follow suit cradock was young and chivalrous and knew not much of these things which his position had kept from him nor in his self-abandonment cared he much about them nevertheless he shrank unconsciously from the lowering of his existence and now he sat up writing writing till his wet clothes made little pools on the floor while he answered twenty advertisements commercial literary promiscuous then he looked at his little roll of postage stamps and with shivering fingers affixed them there were only fifteen and it was too late to get any more that night and he felt that he could not afford to use them now so rashly so he ran out into the slushy streets gambaged with london snow and posted those fifteen of his letters which were the least ambitious by this time he knew that the best chance was of something not overgorgeous Weena did not go with him but howled until he came back then he gave the poor little thing with some self-reproach at his tardiness all the rest of his cottage loaf and his hapard of milk which he took with some protestations looking up at him wistfully now and then to see whether he was eating No, Wiener, I can't eat tonight, bilious from overfeeding, perhaps. But I've done a good evening's work, and we'll be very lucky for breakfast, girl, and have sixpence worth of cold ham. No fear there of making a cannibal of you, you innocent little soul. He was desperately afraid, as most young fellows from the country are, of having unclean animals spicily served up by the London Allantopoli. This terror is the result of the most part of rustic sham knowingness. And the British love of stale jokes, however, beyond all controversy, dark are the rites of sepulchre of the measly pigs around London. He crept at last beneath his scanty bedding, clean although so patched and threadbare, and the iron cross strap shook and rattled with the shudders that went through him. Weena, who slept beneath the bed in a nest which she made of the drugget scrap, jumped upon the blanket at midnight to know, pray. What was the matter then she licked his face and tried to warm him in his broken slumbers that day he had taken a virulent cold which struck into his system and harbored there for a fortnight till it broke out in a raging fever the next day Craddock received a letter of doubtful classicality and bearing the Hammersmith postmark respected sir was sorry after you streaked off yesterday that had not kept you longer you were scarce gone out of the gate as one might say when in comes a gent no end of a knob beats you as one might say in some respects and a head of hair as good known by the name of hearty hearty Wibraham, a esquire but friends prefers callin' him hearty such being his character and hearty he were with my brandy i do assure you and no mistake this gent say as he want to establish a agency for the sale of first-class hettons to the members of the bone tons was i agreeable to supply him so i say certainly by all means if i see my way to my money and then he breaks out in a manner as would frighten some hands about the artlessness of the age the suspiciousness of commercial gents and the confidence between man and man Waste of time says I Coals is coals now and none of them leaves this yard for nothing Better keep that sort of stuff says I for the green young gent from hoxford as was here just now What said he hoxford man after a situation? Yes, I says nice young gent only under a cloud Says he I loves the hoxford man hope he has got some money For what I says have you got anything good for him to invest in Haven't I He says take a little more brandy old chap my own brandy mind you blow me if he ain't a hearty one Well, I can't tell you half he said not being a talkative man myself since the time as I lost mrs. Clinkers Only the upshot of it is I think you couldn't do no harm by calling if he write you as he said he would yours to command and hope you didn't get wet Robert clinkers jr for poker clinkers and co coal merchants west london terminus hammersmith m b coke supplied in your own sacks on the most moderate terms by the next delivery cradock got another letter far more elegantly written but not half so honest mr hearty Wibraham, having heard of mr charles newman from a mutual friend mr clinkers of hammersmith Presents his compliments to the former gentleman, and thinks it might be worth Mr Newman's while to call upon him, Mr HW, at six o'clock this evening, supposing the post to do its duty, which it rarely does. Hearty Wibraham, number sixty six, Orea themis Buildings, Notting Hill District, MB The above is Bona Fide. References will be required, but perhaps they may be dispensed with HW well said cradock to Weena, shivering as he said it for the cold was striking into him you see we are in request my dear not that i have any high opinion of mr hearty webraham as a gentleman i mean but for all that he may be an honest man and beggars as you know Weena, dear when you sit up so prettily beggars must not be choosers do you think you could walk so far Weena? if you could it would do you good my beauty and i'll see that you are not run over Weena agreed rather rashly to go, for the London stones to a country dog are as bad as a mussel bank to a bather. But she thought she might find some woodcocks, and so she did at the game shops, and some curlews which they sold for them. But her real object in going was that she had made some nice acquaintances in the neighbourhood whom she wanted to see again. She wouldn't speak to any low dog, for she meant to keep up the importance and grandeur of the Noel family. But there were some dogs. Hey ho! They had some ways with them, and they were brushed so nicely. What could a poor little country dog do but fall in love with them? Therefore, Weena came after her master and made believe not to notice them, but she lingered now and then at a scraper, and when she snapped her teeth, had gloves on. When Cradock and his little dog, after many a twist and turn, found Themis buildings, the master rang at the sprightly door, newly grained and varnished. inducted by a young woman with a most coquettish cap on he told black wiener to wait outside and she lay down upon the doorstep Then he was shown into the first-floor drawing-room according to arrangement and requested to take a seat sir the smart maid who carried a candle lit the gas in a twinkling but Craddock wondered why the coal-merchant had no coals in his fireplace just when he had concluded after a fit of shivering that this defect was due perhaps to the extreme familiarity which breeds in a grosser contempt for figs Mr. Wibraham came in quite by accident and was evidently amazed to see him What ah no my good sir not mr. Charles Newman a member of the University of Oxford Yes, sir. I am that individual replied Craddock very uncomfortable at the prominent use of his alias then allow me sir to shake hands with you i am strongly prepossessed in your favour young gentleman from the description i received of you from our mutual friend mr clinkers ah i like that clinkers no nonsense about clinkers sir so i believe sir cradock but as i have only seen him once it would perhaps be premature of me not a bit my dear sir not a bit that is one of the mistakes we make i always rely upon first impressions and they never deceive me now i see exactly what you are an upright honourable man full of conscientiousness but not overburdened here he gave a jocular tap to his forehead which was about half the width of cradock's well thought cradock you are straightforward even to the verge of rudeness but no doubt you mean well, and perhaps you are nearer the truth than the people who have told me otherwise. Anyhow, it does not matter much. But in spite of this conclusion, he bowed in his stately manner, and said, If that be the case, sir, I fear it will hardly suit your purpose to take me into your employment. Ah, I have hurt your feelings, I see. I am so blunt and hasty. Hearty Wibraham is my name, and hearty enough I am, God knows, and perhaps a little too hearty hasty Wibraham, you ought to be called by jove you ought said one of my friends last night and by gad i think he was right sir i am sure i don't know said cradock how can i pretend to say without myself being hasty i suppose mr newman you can command a little capital it is not at all essential you know in a bona fide case like yours that is a good job said cradock for my capital like the new one of canada is below contempt to a man imbued mr newman with a genuine spirit of commerce no sum however small but may be the key of fortune my key of fortune then is about 20 pounds 10 shillings a very very small sum my dear sir but i dare say some of your friends would assist you to make it say 50 guineas you oxford men are so generous always ready to help each other that is why i can't help liking you so thoroughly fine fellows he added in a louder sigh thoroughly noble fellows when a messmate is in trouble can't apply to his family i see but it would be mean in him not to let his friends help him i do believe the highest privilege of human life is to assist a friend in difficulties craddock of course could not reply to all this because he was not meant to hear it but he gazed with some admiration at the utterer of such exalted sentiments mr hearty now about forty-five years old, was rather tall and portly, with an aquiline face, a dark complexion, and a quick decisive manner. His clothes were well made and of good quality, unpretentious, neat, substantial. His only piece of adornment was a magnificent gold watch-chain, which rather shunned than courted observation. No, said Cradock at last, I have not a single friend in the world to whom I would think of applying for the loan of a sixpence well we are independent mr wibraham still held discourse with himself but hearty wibraham likes and respects him the more for that he'll get over his troubles whatever they are my good sir he continued aloud i will not utter any opinion lest you should think me inclined to flatter the last thing in the world i ever would do nevertheless in all manly candour i am bound to tell you that my prepossession in your favour induces me to make you a most advantageous offer i am much obliged to you pray what is it a clerkship in my counting-house which i am just about to open having formed a very snug little connection to begin with oh cried cradock for green as he was he would rather have had to do with a business already established i see you are surprised no wonder sir no wonder but you must know that i shall have at least my quid pro quo my connection is of a very peculiar character in fact it lies entirely in the very highest circles to meet such customers as mine not only a man of gentlemanly manners is required but a man of birth and education how could i offer such a man less than a hundred and fifty pounds per annum "'Your terms are very liberal, very liberal, I am sure,' replied Craddock, reddening warmly at the appraisement of his qualities. "'I should not be comfortable without telling you, frankly, that I am worth about half that yearly sum, until, I mean, until I get a little up to business. I shall be quite content to begin upon a hundred pounds a year.' "'No, will you, though?' exclaimed hearty Wubraim, flushed with a good heart's enthusiasm you are the finest young fellow i have seen since i was your age myself suppose now we split the difference say a hundred and twenty five pounds and i shall work you pretty hard i can tell you for we do not confine our attention exclusively to the members of the ministry and the house of lords we also deal with the city magnates and take a contract for somerset house and remember one thing you will be in exclusive charge whenever i am away negotiating a man deserves to be paid you know for high responsibility and where will the-he hardly knew what to call it-the office the counting-house the headquarters be not in any common thoroughfare replied mr Wibraham proudly that would never do for a business of such a character what do you think sir of howard crescent park lane not so bad sir is it for the sale of the grimy I really do not know said Craddock, but it sounds very well. When do we open the books? Monday morning sir at 10 o'clock precisely let me see today is Friday Perhaps it would be an accommodation to you to have your salary paid weekly until you draw by the quarter now Remember I rely upon you to promote my interest in every way consistent with honor That you may do most fully I shall never forget your kind confidence and your liberality You will have two young gentlemen if not three wholly under your orders also a middle-aged gentleman a sort of sleeping partner will kindly attend pro tem and show you the work expected of you I myself shall be engaged perhaps during the forenoon in promoting the interests of the business in a most important quarter now be true to me Newman I take liberties you see keep your subordinates in their place and make them stick to work sir And remember that one ounce of example is worth a pound of precept if you act truly and honestly by me as i know you will you may look forward to a partnership at no distant date but don't be over sanguine my dear boy there is hard work before you and you will not find me shrink from it said cradock throwing his shoulders back but we have not settled yet as to the amount of the premium or deposit whichever it may be thank you to be sure i had quite forgot that incident 30 guineas, I think you said was all that would be convenient to you No, mr. Wibraham, I said 20 pounds 10 shillings. Ah yes my mistake I knew that there was an odd 10 shillings say 25 guineas and be a matter of form you know But one which we dare not neglect it is not a premium simply a deposit to be returned at the expiration of the first 12 months Will you send it to me by check that perhaps would be the more convenient form it will save you from coming again? I'm sorry to say I cannot for now. I have no banker neither can I by any means make it 25 guineas I have stated to you the utmost figure of my present census ah Quite immaterial. I am only sorry for your sake The sum will be invested. I shall hold it as your trustee But for the sake of the books merely to look well on the books. We must say 25 guineas How could I invest 20 pounds 10 shillings? this appeared reasonable to Cradock, who knew nothing about investment and after reflecting a minute or two he replied as follows I Believe mr. Wibraham, that I might manage to make it 20 guineas You said I think that my salary will be payable weekly To be sure my dear boy to be sure at any rate until further arrangements Then I will undertake to pay you the 20 guineas next Monday. I suppose will do for it Oh, yes Monday will do but stop I shall not be there on that morning, and for form's sake it must be paid first. Let us say Saturday evening. I shall be ready with a stamped receipt. Will you meet me here at six o'clock as you did this evening? Cradock agreed to this, and Mr. Harty Wibraham shook hands with him most cordially, begging that mutual trust and amity might in no way be lessened by his own unfortunate obligation to observe certain rules and precedents. In the highest spirits possible under such troubles as his were, Crad strode away from Oria Themis buildings and whistled to Black Wena, whom two of the most accomplished dog stealers in London had been doing their best to inveigle. Failing of skill, for Weener was a deal too knowing, they at last attempted violence, putting away their chopped liver and hoof meat and other baits still more savoury, upon which I dare not enlarge. but Just as black George having listed her bodily by the nape of the neck was popping her into the sack tail foremost Though her short tail was under her stomach What did she do but twist round upon him in a way quite unknown to the faculty and make her upper and lower canines meet through the palm of his hand? It won't do to chronicle what he said. I'm too much given to strictest accuracy Enough that he let her drop in the manner of a red-hot potato and blue bill who made a grab at her only got a scar on the wrist Then she retreated to her step and fired a royal salute of howls never ending ever beginning until her master came out Weena dear he said for he always looked on the little thing as an inferior piece of Amy You are very tired my darling the pavement has been too much for you sit upon my arm pretty we are both going to make our fortunes and then you shall walk in silk attire and siller hay to spare weena nuzzled her nose into its usual place in craddock's identity and growled if any other dog took the liberty of looking at him and so they got home singing snug little songs to each other upon the way and they both made noble suppers on the strength of their rising fortunes End of chapter 8